Hello, Sam. Hello, Alistair. Are you all right? I'm very well, thank you. I've just heard about what you're up to when I, I rang. You are molding a plasticine donut from Mamma Mia <laughs> and planning to bake it in the oven. I am. Um, I've been having a lot of time in. For those who might not know, um, I had a little surgery last week. Just a little heart surgery. Nothing major. It's all fine. Just a little heart surgery. Just a little heart surgery. Um, for the health. For the health. It's all fine. But it means I've had a lot of time where I can't really like get up and do stuff. So I've just been sat down. So I've been doing a little bit of sculpting and Alistair and his boyfriend came over the other night, which is very sweet. I missed London Pride because I couldn't obviously go out and do the parade and stuff. So we came in and we we were trying to figure out what's a gay movie that we can all watch. We wanted to watch something gay. And we settled on Mamma Mia 2. <laughs> He's convincing me that it's a it's a masterpiece in filmmaking, which I'm not quite convinced of. In the same way that Die Hard is a Christmas film, Mamma Mia 2 is very much a queer film. Yeah. I don't know if anyone in that film is actually gay or if there's any gay characters. But I mean, he plays is, gay. Um, One of them plays gay. Everyone plays gay. Everyone <laughs> plays gay. It's a really good, it's a really good film. It's very... It's very feel good. If you're thinking about making, as we did, a few mojitos with friends, mm. and you're just like, what should we put on? Mamma Mia too, because it's great for having as well a bit of conversation over the top of, because you don't really need to concentrate on the story because there isn't really one. <laughs> so you can just say, oh, they're doing another song. Ah, you can dance. Ah. See, I don't know what is your thing about Mamma Mia 2. Mamma Mia 1, I stand by. Great film. Amazing. Beautiful gowns. But Mamma Mia 2, it's just not for me. I mean, I can't forgive them for, spoiler alert, killing off Meryl Streep. There's a very important video essay I watched this week. And it's genuinely the best video essay I've ever seen on YouTube. I've rewatched it a couple of times now by putting it in front of friends' faces. I genuinely feel it makes important <laughs> points. And it's called Mamma Mia 2 is an absurdist masterpiece and i recommend that anyone goes and watches that this week it's an incredibly well composed argument well my brain wasn't involved in that much but i have been using the time to do some sculpting and my current sculpt is meryl streep from mamma mia so there you go well there we are <laughs> and now this week we're doing yeah. a very overdue topic I agree. I agree. We haven't, we've been sort of discussing all things across the Hooniverse and we've kind of touched on spinoffs, I think in the last season of Hulala, uh, but we've never given a full episode devoted to an episode of a spinoff. And I don't think we could start with a better show or a better episode than that, or two parters for this one. Yes. I'm really excited about this one. This was a real treat to watch again, a very easy one to dive into and just enjoy. Haven't been back to this one for a very long time either, but it's definitely etched in my memory from childhood. Without any further ado, we will be watching Whatever Happened to Sarah Jane from the Sarah Jane Adventures. Woohoo! And Yay. to go with that, we've prepped a bit of an introduction to Sarah Jane for you, just in case somehow you've missed Sarah Jane entirely. Just to introduce who she is and what the Sarah Jane Adventures was all about. Exactly. Ah, so di dive in, give us a little context for the show. All right. So for those who somehow don't know, Sarah Jane Smith was a companion played by Elizabeth Sladen originally in the 1970s. And she appeared alongside the third and fourth Doctors, John Pertwee and Tom Baker for three seasons. And Sarah Jane Smith was and is a massively popular character, but especially so in that classic run. She was consistently voted the most popular Doctor Who companion until the series came back in 2005. And even now, she's thought of as one of the very best companions, consistently cropping up in those best companion lists and votes. 
Yeah, she completely like redefined the role of what it was to be a companion and she helped shape the companion to be less of like a helpless psychic and much more determined and brave and like equal to the Doctor. And uh, a lot of people felt that she was quite a revolutionary character, even though Elizabeth Sladen, she actually said that the character was a little bit of a cardboard cutout. I, I definitely remember seeing her in the 30 Years in the TARDIS documentary where she was like, oh, all she did was scream. <laughs> and I'm like, no, Liz, she did so much more. She, did so much more. <laughs> she was more, Liz, um, she was more. She was more. And especially after the uh, 2005 revival of Doc 2, she came back to the show for a one-off appearance in series two called School Reunion. Uh, this was a 2006 episode where the 10th Doctor, unexpectedly encounters sarah jane and his trusty robot dog K9. together with rose and mickey they both investigate the mysterious goings on in a school overrun by aliens must have been shocking for yeah. old who fans who had grown up with sarah jane mm-hmm. to have her suddenly thrust into series two of doctor who this was a fantastic episode it reveals that having waited for years for the doctor to come back to her sarah jane had just assumed that he died and we have an interesting reflection on kind of what happens to companions when they have a life without the doctor or they almost like age up too much to travel with him anymore and the success of School Reunion was such that it led to the development of the Sarah Jane Adventures produced by BBC Wells for CBBC. And the first series, which we're visiting today, first aired on the 1st of January 2007. I always like to do this comparison. How old were we? Oh my God, 1st of January 2007. I would have been nine years old. Nine years old. Nine. So I was 10? So you'd have been 10. Yeah, wow. I turned I turned 10 in july 2007 so perfect age for this again doctor who was really just made for us in this time i think there's a reason why people our age are so specifically stamped with like new who because we were just the right age. there's like i think like a fight like everyone can enjoy new who even like newcomers to the show but like having it imprinted on you at like a certain stage of your childhood like it it's done something to our brains clearly <laughs> it's done something to our brain chemistry forever yeah exactly now elizabeth sladen sadly died in 2011 aged 65 after being diagnosed with pancreatic cancer i don't think many people knew she was ill i don't think it was public information at all so it was quite shocking no. when she suddenly died and the show was very much still on when she died mm-hmm. a tribute to her character was aired as a final episode of the sarah jane adventures on the 19th of april 2020 titled farewell sarah jane release during lockdown did you remember where you were when you heard that she died i no i don't i have no memory at all that the standout memory of it is david tennant on the bbc breakfast show to talk about her being a fan and someone who mm. worked with her and that was very sad, but I don't remember anything else about finding out. My mum like announced it to me as if a family member had died because I would, like I said, Doc Two kid, and I was such a Sarah Jane Ventures kid. And she like knocked on my door and came in, and she was like, "Hi, I like, oh. are you okay?" And I was like, "Yeah." And I was, she was like, "I've got a bit of sad news to tell you." And I was oh, like, no. "What?" And she was like, "Sarah Jane's died." Like she worded it like that. She said, "Sarah Jane's oh, died," no. and I cried. I cried. It was literally oh. like hearing that a family member had died, and I don't remember watching it on the news. I remember watches around. They interviewed Matt Smith, David Tennant, and the kids, like Clyde and Luke and all that. About oh, I remember her. that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. my grandparents gave me a little cutout from the newspaper where they'd announced it in the newspaper. And oh, devastated. 
Oh, gosh. Yes. That's not, I don't know if that's helpful for grandparents to be like, so you remember her death forever. <laughs> I Here's don't know. A clipping. It stuck with me, but they, they do that with a lot. Like, that's very much like a grandparent thing. They're like, we saw this in the newspaper and thought you'd be interested. Oh, that's really sweet. That is really sweet. Yeah, exactly. But yes, no, we have been quite slow to get around to properly looking at the Sarah Jane adventures. But this was definitely one of the three main shows in the Doctor universe at the time. Doctor Who Fever was sort of a peak in the late noughties. So there was Doctor Who which was like a family show, Torchwood, which was grown-ups, and Sarah Jane, which was the kids. And that's exactly where we find ourselves today in series one of the Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah, it truly was the original MCU, which is what makes <laughs> the ending of series four so potent. This was my adventure. All of those game. strands. Yeah, all those bits come together and we get we get Gwen and we get Yanto and we get Sarah Jane and we get Luke and they all come together in the end of that episode but even really more so than just like joining the spin-off shows together it was also joining all the seasons of that show together so like you know martha's family met rose's family met donna's family met like seeing yes. rose with sylvia and wilf oh well, I, I can't wait till we revisit i think we're going to hold off until a bit nearer the 60th to look at those episodes but i can't wait to dive in i can't wait to get there so the sarah jane adventures the concept is pretty simple sarah jane is no longer a journalist now. She investigates alien activity covertly from her manor house. It's on Bannerman Road in Ealing, and she drives a beautiful emerald green <laughs> Nissan Figaro. Figaro? And with the help of her sentient supercomputer, Mr. Smith, voiced by Alexander Armstrong, as well as an alien activity scanner and a sonic lipstick, she yeah, deals with alien threats. In the special premiere episode called The Invasion of the Bane, Sarah Jane adopts a son, a boy called Luke Smith, who is part alien creation and boy genius. And she also befriends her neighbour, Maria Jackson. And they help her out. She kind of takes on like a mumsy role, especially in this episode, you really see her be like mumsy. And I really like that, especially sort of at the beginning of the season, she's quite frosty and cold and she doesn't want to let anyone close to her because she doesn't want to hurt them. And I quite like seeing, she, I think Sarah Jane is the kind of character that as she gets older would be quite mumsy, but I like the way that they dealt with her character in the, when you see her in school reunion, she's quite hard and she never had kids. She never, she was focused on her career and like reeling on a life from the doctor. And she was kind of... It's interesting what you were saying earlier about like seeing how companions deal with life after the doctor and she just assumed he was dead because her life, she hadn't stopped her life because she continues to like fight for the mantra that she was looking to help people, but she kind of put her own life on the back burner and didn't focus on herself. So it's nice to see her in like a motherly role and sort of taking on that responsibility. Yeah, and they talk about that in that episode and they say, when we first met you, Sarah Jane, you were so frosty, you were so closed <laughs> off, you wouldn't let anyone get to know you. And she definitely like defrosts a bit with uh, the presence of these kids around her, which is really lovely as well. Exactly. So let's get into this episode. Let's recap. This yes. is a dark one. Exactly. So these episodes, it's Whatever Happened to Sarah Jane and the Sarah Jane Adventures used to air episodes in two parts. So this is part one and two. They aired on the 29th of October 2007 and the 5th of November 2007. This is again from series one. It's episode seven and eight directed by Graham Harper. He directed a lot of big Doctor episodes like Army of Ghosts, Doomsday, Stolen Earth, Journey's End. It was written by Gareth Roberts and the viewing figures for this episode were 0.41 million and 0.63 million respectively. Uh, but then when the episode did get repeat on BBC One, it gained 1.2 million uh, viewers for episode one and 1.1 million for episode two. So it really, especially these episodes in particular, had a big following with an IMDb score of 8.5 and 8.6. Let's 
get into the story. So we join Sarah Jane, Maria, and her friend Clyde, and Maria's dad called Alan, who is a DILF, enjoying <laughs> a very normal day out skateboarding. And while taking some photos on Maria's digital camera, Sarah Jane shivers and says, someone just walked over my grave. And this prompts her to give Maria a mysterious puzzle box given to her by an alien soothsayer. Before bed, Sarah Jane sets her supercomputer, Mr. Smith, to repel a meteor that scientists can't detect that's going to hit the Earth the next day. That night, Maria falls asleep trying to open the box, and Sarah Jane is erased from existence by a creature known as the Trickster. When Maria wakes up, she discovers that Sarah Jane Smith no longer exists. The person living across the road is called Andrea Yates, and Clyde is no longer friends with Maria. With nobody in the entire world remembering Sarah Jane, Maria sets out to discover the truth before the meteor hits and destroys the Earth. She learns that Andrea was a school friend of Sarah Jane, and in the 60s, fell off a pier in a tragic accident and died, although in this reality, they were swapped after Andrea made an agreement with the trickster to save her instead of Sarah. Yes, when Maria confronts Andrea, she too is zapped from existence by the trickster's alien slave, the Grask, but this time her father Alan is the only one who remembers her. Sarah Jane and Maria reunite in limbo and Sarah has a one-to-one -one with the trickster, who tells her he'll feed off the chaos created by Earth's destruction and threatens to use her to get to the Doctor. Alan manages to bring Maria back and overthrows the trickster's servant, and they try to bring back Sarah Jane, but they can't do this until Andrea agrees to go back on her word and make peace with her death. She's won over by the spirit of Sarah Jane and undoes her deal with the trickster. Sarah Jane and Luke return to reality, stopping the meteor and setting the world back to normal. Only now, Maria's dad knows the truth about their adventures. Oh, I forgot that her dad is in on it now. Yeah, he didn't know until that point. This, I really like that it wasn't a case of like... I like these kinds of stories. It feels very superior. We were like, you've got a secret identity and a secret life that you can't tell anyone about. And I like mm. that it's not just that she was like, hi, dad, this is what's going on. Like he gets really caught up in the adventure and has he to like, up in it. He's forced be a part. To believe it. Yeah. He like has to play a part and like all of the other people are taken away. And to be fair, like the world would have ended if it wasn't for Alan Jackson, the Dilf. Alan's wonderful. I love Alan Jackson, not just because he's gorgeous, but Alan Jackson's <laughs> such a fun character as well and such a caring dad. Yeah, it's a good way of finding out. It's a bit of like an Aunt May Spider-Man. Very that, arguably. yeah. No, I really like it. I I don't know about you, but when you started watching the episode, were you suddenly a bit jarred by how to... Because I feel like Doctor Who, you can mainly timestamp it by the quality of like the cameras and the visuals and that kind of stuff. But this opens with some real like beatboxy 2000s music and skateboards with like the snapbacks on backward. And you're like, oh no, we are in the mid noughties. <laughs> it is also just so like distinctly a British park. Mm -hmm. And there's a moment in it where like the trickster who for anyone who hasn't seen this looks like a kind of grim reaper with no eyes like yeah. the excellent character design like mm -hmm. really really brilliant creepy character who looks great even in that kind of like very bright daylight situation he like steps out from behind this bush which just looks like a completely normal bush and it's really jarring when he kind of steps out and he's just like <laughs> but he's in like the most like just like average looking skate park you've ever seen in your life i know it's so funny it really is just like the most normal park and suddenly like the most evil thing that you've ever seen it's just walking around the corner but it, the talk about the trickster let's let's pay him his dues like the trickster yeah. i think is the best thing the best sort of alien to come out of any doctor who franchise 
he's certainly the best to come out of any spin-off. I am shocked that the trickster hasn't made an appearance in Doctor Who. I think that it is one of the best villains to ever feature in Doctor Who in general. Certainly the best villain to feature in any of the spin-offs, in my opinion. I know that we've had like a light touching on the trickster before in Doctor Who. The trickster's brigade featured in the Sarah Jane adventures, but that just makes me want to know even more about his character that like there's the trickster's brigade. Like he has the grass working with him and he has the time beetle working for him. And his like you said his character design is so terrifying like i had to keep reminding myself when i was re-watching i was like this is a kid's show like he really is this big grim reaper-esque character with no eyes like just a blank face with a mouth and he's he's also like deliciously evil like he's very articulate and he uses his words very carefully and that makes him almost scarier he's a really interesting villain as well like his again his lines are too good for ZBBC, if I'm completely <laughs> honest with you. He he enters by saying, ah, ephemeral minds are so limited. And I was like, did we just say <laughs> ephemeral in a CBBC show? And then he says, exactly. chaos is my blood and air and food. And food. I was like, good lord, like this is a lot. <laughs> and he's like, and it's like, she's like, why did you do this? He's like, to aid the coming of darkness. I was like, <laughs> goodness me i did have to keep reminding myself i was like this is aimed for kids and like it's so funny for anyone who doesn't know this sort of is the first episode in a trilogy of episodes about the trickster in series one there's this episode obviously about sarah jane her best friend in series two there's an episode where the trickster tries to create an alternate universe between her and her parents and then in the third series it's between her and her fiance and i was explaining to my boyfriend who doesn't know anything about the show like you know oh and this one she has to choose between like you know letting her best friend die and in the next one she has to choose whether or not she lets her parents die and then in the third one like her fiance who she falls in love with like she has to let him die and he was like this is fucking dark like what the, the trickster like? really does not give sarah jane a break i wonder as well if it was like a bit of an intended lead in with a series four finale here about kind of saying like his ultimate aim is to wipe the doctor from existence which one of the trickster's brigade briefly achieves by Mm. uh, sending donna to a parallel world where the doctor's dead and when he talks about bringing forward kind of the coming of darkness i think that all ties in as well probably deliberately with kind of the whole like the darkness is coming thing at the end of that as well that all links back to the trickster as well so i guess the trickster has an indirect link in doctor who in the end well, he also has like, a, I'd say like, a, not in Doctor Who, but in the spinoff in Sarah Jane, when the Doctor features in series three, he has a direct link to Doctor Who, where the trickster is kind of a soothsayer where he can like see into the future. And when the trickster finally meets the Doctor in series three, the Sarah Jane adventures, he warns the Doctor, he says, because the arch is waiting for you. Oh, and yeah. the Doctor's like, what does that mean? He doesn't go on about it, but he's talking about the archway in the finale, the end of time, parts one and two in David Tennant's final episode episodes and that's quite ominous so you know that the trickster he's he's got a real like mind on time and he can sort of see the past and the future yeah and also the trickster's insanely powerful in this as well in that sarah jane talks to him in their like limbo space when she's been erased and she's like but if you've erase me then what about all the things that i did like i stopped the slavine i stopped this other group of people and he's like oh i turned them away like oh they never happened that's fine i dealt with that and I'm mm. like, huh? Like, you just <laughs> turn them away? He's like, all I wanted was the meteor because it's like pure, unrivaled pure chaos. chaos. It's got no reason yeah. to happen except for the fact that it's happening. Yeah. Fantastic. It's like excellent pure intentions that he yeah. just loves chaos. 
brilliant. Exactly. And that's what he feeds on. And I think this is the thing about this episode is that every single character introduced and that you see again, who was already featured in the show is amazing. And if, if I may segue from the trickster to another high for me, He's... Jane Asher's performance as Andrea Yates. I think that yes. like Andrea is such a good character in this episode. Andrea is such a good character. When we first meet Andrea, when Maria knocks on her door and we're expecting Sarah Jane and there's this other woman there, which is very jarring. She's <laughs> actually quite sweet. She's quite like motherly and kind with her and it's it's andrea's birthday so mm. she's a bit like oh like you're early where's my card oh only joking in you come you know and she's quite she's quite nice um yeah for sure but when maria starts kind of challenging her and pushing her she has a real nasty streak and she becomes really angry I, I think it's a mix between the screenwriting and her performance is so good where when Maria pushes her, Maria sort of learns the truth because Maria's the only one who remembers Sarah Jane, obviously. And she's pushing her saying, how could you forget, you know, the peer, your friend, she fell, how could you forget? And you really feel for Andrew and she runs up to the attic and she's crying. She's inconsolable and she's like, oh my goodness, how could I forget Sarah? And then the trickster sort of peers to her and she's like, I, I can't live with this. How could I forget what I did? You made me forget. And you really, really feel for Andrea. Because, you know, as a 13-year-old, if someone says to you, I can save your life, I think you'd do anything. Like, I don't think I could say I wouldn't do what Andrea did in her shoes. But then later when she agrees to make Maria disappear and Maria disappears out of existence and she's talking to Alan, her dad, who does remember her, and he asks, he's like, so do you know any Marias? And she's like, oh, uh, are they Maria? <laughs> and like, she's skirting around. And, and that's when you really start to see this like malicious, sneaky side to her. And, and she balances that line so well. Yeah, when Andrea starts to panic and realises that everything's starting to close in on her a bit, she starts to get kind of like further and further and further into the lie, which is really, mm. really good. So I think, let's segue into that. That's another massive high, is that the whole premise of this episode is incredibly dark. And my note really here is, peers are scary. The sea is scary. The seaside <laughs> is scary. There are some things we shouldn't play with, and one of them is the edge of peers. And I don't know if my fear from that came from this episode this kind of Maybe. like unconscious Ooh. or if that was just kind of already there i think i've always found the seaside a bit Ooh. can't yeah. explain that won't go into that no, right I now i see that but i mean andrea is nuts i mean we so we get these flashbacks in this episode where we meet young sarah jane and we see young andrea and andrea's a little troublemaker and she's running around she's like come on sarah let's go to the pier even though it's like locked up and it's like keep out and um <laughs> We see how Andrea dies. So she pushes through a gate and she slips and she's like clinging onto the edge of the pier. And you get this horrible, like, help me, help me. And she's like, Sarah Jane's like, grab my hand. And anyway, presumably she slips and whacks her head and dies horribly in the sea and drowns. <laughs> and that's all implied. And it's super, super dark. CBBC. <laughs> CBBC. And that in itself is so freaky. But we also get to see later on the moment where Andrea swapped places. So Andrea's like dangling above the sea, about to fall in. And she hears like, Andrea, like, you don't have to die. Let her take <laughs> your place. I just need your agreement. And then suddenly Sarah's dangling above the sea and she's like, mm -hmm. ah, and Andrea's like, what happened? And it's, <laughs> it's a horrible premise. And then we see the moment after Sarah Jane died in this new reality as well, where Andrea's kind of like traumatized and curled up on the end of the pier and no one's come to help. And there's, the trickster standing there like this kind of horrible grim reaper-esque figure 
with the grask next to him who looks hilarious and kind of ruins the moment <laughs> a bit and kind of hands her the cube. So the whole premise is, is yeah, really, really creepy. And we have this confrontation at the very end as well between Sarah Jane as kind of this spirit trapped in limbo and Andrea, who's about to be sent back to her death as an older woman. This kind of like pleading that has to happen at that point where Andrea doesn't want to die. Sarah Jane says, like, if you don't die... I'll be forgotten. Everyone will die anyway because of the meteor. My son will never live. All this mm. horrible stuff as well. This episode has so many layers. I think like, okay, let's see. Things that would traumatize the child. The Grim Reaper, one. Falling off a pier yeah. and whacking your head till you die and drowning, yeah. two. Yeah. The meteor two. coming and crashing and destroying the earth, three. Also, there's this innate <laughs> fear, I think, as a kid. I think everyone's felt this at some point where you're invisible and no one can see or remember you. Like, I don't know if you've seen all these videos where, like, parents pretend they can't see their kid. Oh, yes, and they're like, yes. where have they Nobody gone? Nobody believes and you. They start crying and, like, his they get hysterical. I'm like, these are all things that would traumatize, traumatize a child. I think that's another one that you forget as a childhood fear is like nobody believing you and having mm. to like you know try and convince everyone of something you've seen but no one believes you you can't convince the grown-ups you've got to do it on your own that's quite a scary exactly. thing yeah there's a couple episodes in the sarah jane adventures that deal with that kind of thing i think maria here she kind of questions herself she's like this was also real to me and she's questioning like was sarah jane real because she's being shown photos by her dad of like the present there where andrew was there helping the movie in. and andrew wasn't frosty she was lovely and all these pictures of them at parties and there's another episode a few seasons in where rani and clyde are the only two humans left on earth every other human has been evacuated and you're following rani for a bit i don't know if you were still watching the show by this point you're i following... was but not so much yeah you're following rani by herself before she realizes that clyde's there and she thinks she's the only human left on earth and she i think her character's maybe meant to be like 15 16 can you imagine can you imagine can you imagine absolutely not i did have to keep reminding myself while watching i was like this didn't traumatize me but it should have <laughs> no but this is the thing i remember i can't remember who it is who is credited with this quote but it's about how the best media for kids doesn't patronize them like if you mm. kind of almost write write something that's good enough for grown-ups for kids and you don't patronize their intelligence and you don't kind of like underestimate their ability to like wrestle with some of these like difficult emotional concepts that's how you get that's how you get good stuff on tv i think or, or even just yeah. like good books good anything you know what i was thinking recently it was really really dark and twisted did you ever read the lemony snicket books oh yeah of course all of them like they were horrible, but they were so, mm -hmm. they were so good. And yeah. I think it was a clip I saw of that recently. It was the version of the movie that's got Meryl Streep in it. Like there was yeah. always something horrible happening in those book series and it was always miserable mm -hmm. and depressing, but you couldn't stop reading them. So like, it's I think. It's weird. When you look back on that, that was kind of look back intense. at a lot of this stuff. Yeah. They don't go easy on the kids. They don't, they don't go, go easy, easy on the kids. On the kids. I and now pussyfooting around them. These days, though, I feel like it's all like David Walliams kind of like, or oh, my grandma robbed a bank or <laughs> my father. Drag breaks the granny, drag her. Yeah. Like, isn't that what they like now? I think that's what, there's one moment in this episode. I won't say the the word, but Maria, the grass chasing Alan down the stairs and she walks in and she's like, I just saw my ex-husband running around the stairs with the D word and uses the D slur. And I'm like, oh, this is this is 2000s. 
Hold it. But talking about Chrissy Jackson, we can't say about how amazing Alan is without talking about her for a second. She doesn't feature in this episode much, but she is, I love her character. She's so like selfish and self-centered and she's a bit of an arsehole, but she's so funny and she's like oblivious, not only to like the adventures that Maria and Sarah Jane are having, but also just to like life in general. And I just, any scene that Chrissy's in is camp to me. She very much denies what's happening in front of her eyes. She is, yeah, given, she, she's kind of quite a self-absorbed character, isn't she? She's like a bit ditzy. She's not a very attentive or generous mother. Alan yeah. is definitely the better parent. It's not, did we ever know why they broke up, Alan and Chrissy? Not really. I mean, it's an interesting line in this where when Maria is taken out of time, Alan's trying to convince her that they have a kid. And she's like, we never had kids. You know, I don't have a maternal bone in my body. And maybe if we did, then things would have been different. And you kind of get that vibe. Like, I guess normally like the nuclear family, you hear a lot more of like when parents get divorced, the child lives with their mum and sees their dad every so often. Whereas in this, they flip it and she's living with her dad. And the mum is the one who kind of like swans in every so often. And like you said, you definitely feel like you get the more maternal role from Alan until later in the series. Like in series two, when Maria leaves the show, I think you see Chrissy in like a different light. And I quite like that. Alan's a lovely man. Alan's a really Alan's lovely, lovely man. man. He'll do, he'll do I, anything for his daughter. And I also feel like when I was a kid, obviously I didn't like know I was gay and to sort of bring it back around to the queer Doctor Who podcast. I didn't know I was a gay, obviously, when I was watching this and I didn't really have any, I feel like I had crushes on people without knowing I had crushes. Like I definitely had a crush on Matt Smith without really realizing it and things like that. But Alan Jackson was one that I think we all slept on. And then the Sarah Jane Adventures, yeah. unless you had I mean, a DVD or... Kind of, I don't know. I think we might be an outlier here. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like I didn't hear anything about it online. And the Sarah Jane Adventures kind of like faded away. It wasn't iPlayer for years. I, I have the DVDs of my parents, but I hadn't watched it on years because I don't even own a DVD player. And so you couldn't rewatch it in the same way you could rewatch Doc 2 or even Torture. Torture was on iPlayer. And then when it suddenly dropped like a year ago everyone online was suddenly i saw everyone tweeting suddenly like oh my god alan jackson is a dilf he's so hot oh my god and i, and I was watching it with my boyfriend he was like that guy's so hot and i was like growth. i know growth it's like we said growth. before um you know we went with back david to david tennant with david tennant and we were like huh huh <laughs> i see and we that's grow a strange with the, thing the yeah the taste is growing with us the taste is growing with us which is great my boyfriend he he loves charmed and he kept saying this episode really was giving him like charmed vibes where it's like kind of low quality also like the aliens in this felt more like monsters than aliens so in shows like charmed where they have monster of the week rather than alien of the week i feel like that was like kind of the vibe it was giving the prosthetics yeah. in the show are great i feel like i need to give a second to that because like not just in the sarah jane adventures but in doc 2 in general the prosthetics slap because cgi wasn't that great they're so good. CGI wasn't that great at this point. Like, I don't know if you remember the Bane, like they were completely CGI monsters and they were very like, ooh, this is like kids BBC budget. Well, it's funny because I've not, I've not revisited that. And I think in your head, I think you kind of airbrush these things until you see them again. And mm. it's like you said, you know, going into this episode, you are like struck by like, whoa, okay, we are back in standard definition 2007, <laughs> which is not how it exists in your head because Sarah Jane Adventures carried on until kind of the HD era of Matt Smith's Doctor mm. Who. And that was the most recent kind of version of it on TV. And in my head, I think I kind of redid all of the Sarah Jane Adventures to look like that. And then you go yeah. back to something like this and you see a bit of CGI and you're like, 
Mm-hmm. And it looks very consistent <laughs> with Doctor Who from the same time. I'm sure it's the same people working yeah. on it. Um, oh, yeah, you could swap them yeah, out. It's, yeah. it's, it's the practical effects that really kind of stand up to the test mm. of time. The trickster design in this. I mean, you're looking at it and you're trying to work out how they've done it. That's what. That's when you know it's pretty good, right? Is yeah. the, his costume is fantastic. And it's kind of elegant and creepy and grim reapery. And he's got this like long, almost like velvet cloak going on. And he's got this kind of like black hood over his face and his his eyes are missing. And I'm kind of like looking at mm. thinking, is that CGI? Is that really done over the actor's eyes? Which I think it was. It looks like it's really there. Yeah. I think I remember there was one time I saw, I think it was in maybe series two when the tricks came back. There was one shot where I saw like the little punctures on his eyes so the actor can see through. And oh. that's the only time the illusion ever slipped for me. But I think that was on a rewatch. Like I, I, as a kid, I would never have noticed that. And and the grass, again, like you were saying, it, it, he's a silly little character, but I like like his prosthetics look very good. Do you remember the the attack of the grass, like red button game? that they had in 2005 yes, or six. I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. It, we, that's one I think we need to do a whole episode on at some point. That was like uh, such a fun little silly episode. But I love that if they're going to bring like a little sidekick for the trickster into this to just pull from existing Doctor Who Just lore. go back into the really archive. Smart. Just go into the wardrobe room and just say, look, what's what's in it? What's up there? Grask, get it down. Do you know who played the Grask? I do not know who played the Grask. So it was an actor called Jimmy V, and Jimmy V is a regular player in both Doctor Who and Sarah Jane Adventures. Oh. A couple of his other credits, he played the Mox of Balhoun in series oh. one. He played Banakafalata in Voyage oh, of the Damned. Stop it! <laughs> he played the baby Slavine in the Sarah Jane Adventures. And then wow. he also played both the Grask and the Grosk. I don't know if you remember the Grosk. I think it was in series four of the Sarah Jane Adventures. It was literally I the Grosk not. painted blue. Okay, okay, then you yes. Must... <laughs> All right, for the viewer's reference, I'm just sending Arthur a picture of the grass. literally the grass painted blue. Oh, I see. God, I tell you what, it's good design, though. He looks like poisonous. I know. He looks like a poisonous it? blue it's frog. Really good. And I also think the grosk is good. If Oh, my goodness, he also played the space pig. Wow, he's, he was booked and busy on this show, huh? Booked, blessed, and busy. He's also played R2-D2 in the Star Wars universe. No. Yeah. In what? Like the new movies, I think. And he was in Gringotts. He played. He was in Gringotts in Harry Potter. We're quite ignorant here. I feel like a lot of people Ooh. will know who this is. <laughs> As, the he more you like name, really the more I'm like, player. I should probably know who this is. But well, look, we're, you know, hula-la, we're learning things all across the universe and beyond. I can think of a few other highs in this episode that i've mm-hmm. got that maybe aren't quite as kind of like story standouts mm-hmm. so like one of my notes is young andrea she looks like a young jerry hallowell in a way that i found very <laughs> distracting that's quite funny. Well, well, i was looking day. at her and i was like i know you like i looked at her and i was like i know you and it was like, i was like you're either like it's either like a fergie thing I was like, no, it's, it's Jerry Halliwell. I googled it. I was like, it's Jerry, it's Jerry Halliwell. It's Jerry Halliwell. Maybe it's the hair. I, I I also noticed that in the present day, present day Andrea has the exact same haircut as Sarah Jane, and I was like, come on, stealing my hair, <laughs> stealing my life and my hair. Yeah, you know, you know, she like plays, you know, young Andrea is meant to be quite like a naughty character. She's very, as as uh, Maria describes her, quite full on, likes a party. <laughs> she is the kind of kid I would have been terrified of. I. This is no surprise. I was quite a rule follower. It's quite a goody, <laughs> goody two shoes. Someone telling Insane. me, you know, if we if we ran away from a school trip, 
and went down a you know a pier where we've been told specifically not to go. That's not happening. That's not happening. You would not be there. You would I'd not be, be the one falling terrified. off the pier. I'm not doing that. No. <laughs> there are rules in place for reasons, Andrea. We're in trouble now. No, I feel you that I was exactly the same. She's the kind of, like, that kind of unpredictable. I do like how they wrote her character where she was, like, the unpredictable wild child who, you know, was, in, at least in the real world, meant to go through this traumatic experience and then stopped you know, saved herself from going through it. So she then chose to live the rest of her life, like being the life of the party. And she was like, I was going to enjoy every second of life because I know what it's like to not have it. And I was like, that's really cool. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. That makes sense. What's even more interesting, I think, is Sarah Jane's take on that, where she says, I took everything from that experience as well, but I didn't take what you took and chose to be the life party. I chose to like help people and use that to like push me forward and like that kind of, it's like implied that that event is what led her to become a journalist and eventually led her to meet the doctor. Yes, it. she I think suggests that the experience of losing a friend is what makes her fight loss of life generally. Yeah. And makes her want to save people, which is nice. Yeah. Something I've got down as a high that you've got down as a low is the camera choices. And I think I like (laughs) it from an ironic (laughs) angle. So there's a lot of like sudden dramatic zoom ins and whip arounds Mm. and really funny camera choices, especially like on like dramatic lines or reveals or realizations. There's something like a (gasps) and a and the camera will kind of in on someone's face. And I find that extremely funny. I was chuckling to myself. Oh, I mean, I, I did put it as a low, but I also, my note says some of the camera choices are a bit low, but the quick zoom ins made us laugh so much. Like they are really, like anything dramatic happens. And then it was almost always with Alan as well. It would just go like zoom and zoom in on his face, like yes. an in camera zoom as well, not in post. I thought that was just so funny. Yes, it was, it was the real deal, baby. The real deal. I mean, it, it, it's all screaming 2000s and I can't really fault it for that because it was kids TV budget in 2000. And it was also like a pilot season because as the Sarah Jane Adventures went on like the camera quality got better and the cgi got better it's true and so it was it was sort it was, of a pilot it was what it was and like they the really first episode their pussies of this, for this pilot huh they really popped their pussies and if, <laughs> maybe there's times where they stretched a bit far i think the cgi of the the meteor coming in is a little bit touch and go the meteor, Can we talk about the meteor is, for a second the meteor is pretty appalling it didn't look anything like any kind of a meteor it looked like a kind of like yellow and red ball of smoke it's just kind of getting bigger on the screen more than kind of getting any closer to the yeah. one static shot they took from one angle looking upwards and th- there's a scene like this i think actually it's quite a scary subplot and it made me even on the rewatch like shooting a missile at the meteor and they miss and they're like this is it <laughs> like i can imagine that as a kid that'd be quite scary but in the rewatch it was just this poor news anchor going oh we've just heard the the missiles missed uh you know run lies are all gonna die by xoxo gossip girl like it's so like underwhelming the newsreader in this is extremely cheerful he's like breaking news there is a two mile meteor heading straight for earth don't worry though <laughs> the army says that they can stop it with a missile no need to panic and no one does panic everyone's like oh there we are in fact there's an excellent quote here from maria's mum who says, let the army deal with it. That's what they're paid for. Now, where's Alan got to? And she just walks off, not bothered even slightly. And then, yeah, breaking news. I'm sorry to report, the army says the missiles missed. And I was like, all right. And he's still grinning. The actor isn't acting. It's no Trinity Wells. 
It's no Trinity Wells. It is not. It's actually like a real new. I think his name's Jason Mohammed, and he actually presents for like Welsh radio and the news and stuff. I think he's currently working on Final Score for BBC One. And I'm like, Doctor Who does this a lot. I remember my, I have like a real like embedded memory where my parents really didn't approve of it. They said they don't like when Doctor Who uses real world news anchors because really? it's blurring the lines. Yeah, they said it was like blurring the lines between fiction and reality. And I'm like, girl, if you're watching Doctor Who, you know it's not real. Like, let's be honest. As in, they like it to be a complete suspended reality universe. They would like it to anchors. not... I think they're worried it would freak kids out if they see a real news anchor on Doc 2 saying like an alien invasion is happening and then they watch the news and you see that same news anchor talking about real world things and I think they didn't like that like blurring of the lines. Personally, I didn't care, but there you go. Didn't, didn't, didn't didn't me, didn't, didn't do me any harm. Didn't do me any harm, look how I turned out. Didn't do me any harm, did it? Look at me now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, anyway, I, I, yeah, that was, that was a potential low. But, dialogue there was a few lines in particular that really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. One is uh, this a very, <laughs> one is at this very emotional ending where they're trying to convince um, Andrea to die, which is <laughs> again, as we said, ridiculously dark. And they're like, you know, you're not really meant to be alive. And it's sort of a net, it's a net good if you die, which they've kind of weighed that way thank goodness it's not just like a simple swap between her and sarah jane there's also kind of the added weight of the fact that um the meteor is coming so they kind of have to swap and also luke is at stake he's kind of beyond beyond he doesn't exist anymore he doesn't he doesn't even exist now and so they have to do the swap but i mean there's a difference here one it's just a really funny delivery one is my favorite line in the whole thing which is maria going i'm sorry andrea but you're meant to die. And it's careless. <laughs> it is callous. It is but, nasty. It, I'm sorry, Andrea. But you're meant to die. Meant to die? Who said I was meant to die? I was so young. I had something. Like, she really does. Like, honestly, Jane Ash's performance in this episode is just so good. Like, like we were saying it's earlier, so like, good. at times you feel sorry for her. At times you're scared of her. At times you're, like, laughing with her. And that little dialogue maria's line fucking hilarious but then so funny her like who said i was meant to die you're like oh jesus like i hope she scared maria i'm sorry andrea but you're meant to die doesn't care <laughs> just doesn't care it's a bit careless um, I know. but then a really devastating line pretty soon after that again just coming back to what you were just saying her performance is immaculate there's a really sad moment she's tearing up she's accepting the fact that she's going to die and she goes being a good life it's my birthday mm. and it was tragic it's a really tragic I know. line. It really, well, the bit after that always gets me where she's looking at Sarah Jane in the mirror and she previously had like been sort of being snidey to Sarah Jane saying like, oh, because she obviously didn't know what she grew up to look like. And she sees present day Sarah Jane. She's like, oh, you always, you know, you always look like younger than you were and stuff like that. And I feel like they, she really makes her peace with it at the end. And she goes, goodbye, Sarah. I'm going now. And I, I, I remember at the time I was like, oh my God, and she goes, and you're free and like breaks the mirror and sets her free. And like all of these moments in this like trilogy of trickster episodes, which I'm sure on future Hulala we'll get to where the person who was meant to die has to come. Because like, in all of these episodes, it's never up to Sarah Jane. Normally it's Sarah Jane and the kids save the day. And in these episodes, it's always a case of the person that was meant to die has to make peace with it and 
let Sarah Jane know that, you know, it's going to be fine. And, you know, when, when Angela realizes that she has to die, when her parents realize, when her fiance, they're always so chilling and it's amazing performances and it really strikes home. And like, I, it just, again, I can't believe this is kids TV. <laughs> yeah. Because Andrea at this point hasn't just been alive for like a day. She's from her perspective lived 40 years of life and had real memories and friendships and mm. forgot that she even made that deal and so she has to kind of trade in and not just die but all of that has to be undone so it never happened and delete her whole life it's high stakes i feel like all of the friendships that she's made in her life past the age 13 everyone she's ever known everything she's ever done it, it, it's not like dying and knowing that you'll leave a stamp on the world it's like everything i've done in my life doesn't matter because it won't have existed i love that i really love that you know for me that's like probably my like my one true existential dread <laughs> it's so like dying and being instantly forgotten just just it meant no it didn't happen just just awful just awful and it was all a dream it was all a dream it was all a dream um, one thing that I really like that I just want to touch on is the Doctor Who-iness of that we get a little bit of time travel, which we do get every so often in the Sarah Jane adventures. In this episode, obviously, Maria goes back to the 60s and meets young Sarah Jane and young Andrea. And I love when the Sarah Jane adventures and other spin-offs play with time travel because it really feels like it's like linking it back to the main show. But also the Trix's relationship with the Doctor where he just feeds off chaos and in this he's using Sarah Jane I think he just used, like, the only reason he made the connection with Sarah Jane is he saw an opportunity to create chaos and he's just using this random person. And he also realises that might be a link to the Doctor, that there's a really chilling line where he goes, like, after the, the meteor is going to destroy the Earth, he says, I will explore your potential more, especially the memories of this Doctor. And he says, like, if the Doctor never existed, imagine how much chaos there'd be across the stars. And you, you're you really chill and you're like, because as a kid, you know who the Doctor is, you know how important they are. And you're like, oh God, like, like he, we can't let him do that. Whereas when he comes back in season two and three of the Sarah Jane Adventures, he just has a real vendetta against this poor woman. He said, "This is not for the chaos. I don't <laughs> like personal you. Now. This is I have an issue bitch. with you, like you, Sarah Jane. <laughs> exactly. You've inconvenienced me, and I'm going to make this difficult for you." exactly but yeah i think that he is a real threat for the doctor in the universe in general i just really think that it's overdue i don't think we'll get it in series 14 but i've said it before in this podcast i'll say it again i just want the trickster to have a main series appearance i think it's about damn time i think it's due i think it's really really due i think we're gonna get something of a similar vibe with the 60th anniversary specials with someone tinkering with time but mm -hmm. i think in quite a different way yeah, I don't I don't see it being the trickster at all, but I have thought about this where the plot they seem to be going with the 60th about like changing time and like altering things and things not quite being how they should be. It would be the perfect opportunity to slip the trickster in, but yeah, I don't think that they're going to go for that. A very final comment from me that was quite funny. We very briefly discussed this before we started recording, which is that Maria appears in limbo when she gets kind of deleted and forgotten, just in the same clothes she was wearing. Sarah Jane appears in limbo, looking really good with this like lovely haircut, lovely face <laughs> of makeup that she didn't have on before as well. And wearing this like gorgeous long coat that she wasn't wearing. And I mean, Sarah Jane was presumably taken in the dead of night as well. And so it kind of begs the question, like, Sarah Jane, what were you doing in your long coat in the dead of night with full face of makeup? 
Where did you go, Sarah Jane? Where did Literally, you go? what were you up to? Like, what were it's, you doing, it's, Sarah? It's been made apparent that when you end up in limbo, you're sort of snatched from the moment of time you're in. So it was the middle of the night. Your car was also in the driveway. We saw that. Where <laughs> so 2 a.m., where, where did you go? Did it you didn't go, look Sarah? like she was wearing like a shirt under it because they kind of like wrapped it. So it was kind of like, you know, like a flasher jacket. where like A flasher jacket. It was like a flasher jacket. You, you can't, can't see be making it. those like, kind of accusations. Uh, listen, I'm not saying what she is or isn't doing. That's her business. But I'm just saying what I see. And what I'm I see just, is I'm a jacket very tightly wrapped me. around her. And I can't see any shirt underneath it. So she can't you put the mask together. That. Luke can't find out about that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. I thought that was really funny. Alistair, off the back of that wonderful episode of Sarah Jane Adventures, are you ready for another round of Camp Order? Camp Order, baby. Number one. Well, I'll bring him back if he's good. Camp or damn? <laughs> camp. Camp. I really liked, I like everyone flirting with Alan because mm. to be to be honest, I mean, it's not right that he should feel unduly harassed by any of this, of course, but he is a gorgeous man. And they, re- they, re- they refer to that in this episode. You know, mm. his ex-wife says, you know, people always ask me, you know, why did you leave him? He's gorgeous. Well, this brings it all flooding back. <laughs> and you know it's nice it's nice for someone to you know make a little you know cheeky remark everyone knows he's gorgeous she knows yeah he's and he, he's like that kind of thing where like he's a gorgeous man but he's also like he'll look after you alan jackson bring him will back look after if he's you good alan ja- oh he'll look good. after you bit full on likes a party camp or damp very camp bit full on likes a party i you know to me to me implied recreational drug habit just gonna say and 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 good for her you know, she's living life to the full and the only way she knows how. I feel like Andrea went through a real coke patch during her. Andrea. <laughs> Andrea went through such a heavy coke patch. And <laughs> I think that's really like how the trickster got her. <laughs> what's inside the box? <laughs> what's what's in the box? What have you been keeping in the box, Andrea? And finally, any scene that Chrissy Jackson is in, but specifically in this episode, as if Bobby Sue had anything to do with that. <laughs> Camp yeah. down. Very camp. Chrissy Jackson is is just uh, a masterpiece in in character. It's just wonderful. I love her. I, I yeah, I love it as well. The the meteor kind of like swerves and almost bounces off Sarah Jane's house because of magnets or something. <laughs> and then she goes, ooh, and it kind of flies away and she goes, oh, phew, you know. And then they're like, yes, yeah, Sarah Jane, she did it. She goes, oh, as if Bobby Sue had anything to do with that. And she doesn't, I mean, I don't think she likes Sarah Jane, does she? She thinks Sarah Jane's weird. No, she doesn't. She like actively doesn't. And she also can never remember her name. No. No, exactly. Bobby Sue. There's a really sweet moment (laughs) in Chrissy's final episode where she learns all about the adventures that they're going on and then Sarah Jane makes her forget. But she secretly remembers and pretends to forget around her daughter so that her daughter thinks everything's like all right in the world. And then when it's just Sarah and Jane and her by herself, she's like, you know, I remember it all. And it's like, oh no. Yeah. Does she ever like, like come to respect her? I think so. I think in the end, like they come to respect each other, but she says, like, I don't want to let you know, I don't want to let on that I know, but I just want you to know that I remember it all. Oh Gag. interesting. Would you like <laughs> a couple of fun facts about this episode? One fun fact, which actually isn't on my list, but I I knew this outside of the episode. Did you know, I'm not sure if she quit acting or just did this afterwards, but Jane Asher, who played Andrea Yates in this, after this series and after, I think she sort of like left acting, she created a bakeware line specifically for Poundland. Oh, 
Yeah. Okay. She, it's a really weird fact. I remember I was in Poundland once when I was like 14 and I saw like a big baking line and I was looking at it and it all had her face on it. And I was like, that's Andrea Yates. And I was so what, confused. What, what, in Poundland? Um, yeah, if you look it up, she uh, created an entire bakeware line specifically for Poundland of like whisks and bowls. Well, did, and did she create jugs. it? Did she create yeah, it or was her face put on it? She certainly had her face on it. It was called Jane Ash's right. like bakeware for Poundland. And right. she was definitely promoting it. So Is I, it likely I, that Jane Asher went to the well. lab to develop and design that bakeware? Okay, I'm not saying she poured the malt herself. I'm just <laughs> saying it was her bakeware line. <laughs> she <laughs> made clay sculpts. She does that, She showed them exactly what she wanted. She said, this is what my whisk is going to look like, baby. It's going to be the best whisk you've ever damn seen. She poured her heart and soul into that bakeware line. We'll have to contact her, see if we can get her on the pod. I reckon we could get her on the pod. I don't know what she's up to now, but I reckon I don't think she'd even remember being in this. <laughs> I'd be <laughs> curious to see if she did. Sort of thing. She'd be like, what was my character called? <laughs> Just really like not sure. <laughs> oh my god another fun fact which is actually a fun fact in the mm. scene where alan ties up the graph there's a deleted line of dialogue where alan learns the name of the trickster because later in the episode he says look the trickster and it's kind of implied that like he made up that name and i think it'd be oh, quite yeah. funny in doctor who canon anyway because they deleted that scene the tricksters called that because alan jackson called him that so then later when the doctor's like oh it was one of the tricksters brigades it's kind of implied in the doctor it universe that alan back. jackson was the one Alan's that naming yeah. echoes through time. Exactly. The effect that Alan Jackson has, not just on our beating hearts, but on the Doctor Universe at wide. Wow. There's a little fumble, actually, in this episode where the house that they film, 13 Bandman Road, is, is number 21 on Clinton Road. And in the scene where the Grask is chasing Alan, they forgot to swap the signs out. So Sarah Jane's house says 21. There was a little fumble when it should say 13. Oh, no. I know, oh, it's a little fumble. I can forgive it. It's all right. I can forgive it. Pretend it was a side effect of time being messy. Exactly. It was a time dilation thing. It's a time, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> and one final little fun fact, which I really like. Um, before she gives the cube to Maria, Sarah Jane moves like a pile of books out of the way. And one of the books that she moves is called Unit, Fighting for Humankind. And in the Doctor Universe, this is a book written by Sarah Jane about the United Intelligence Task Force. Oh, like written like as an outsider, as a journalist? or, or Yeah, from like as memories. a journalist, she wrote a book about Unit and that book exists in the Doctor Universe. I'd, lo I'd love to see that prop pop up somewhere else down the line. Yeah. Oh, that'd be really fun, wouldn't it? I mean, these things must also... I mean, I don't know. I, you, you work in TV. I don't know what we do with props broadly. I so mean, the if they think world, there's going to be preserved. future seasons or things that they could use it for, they would normally store them. There'll be things pop up like over and over in the show. And so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's existing in a BBC warehouse somewhere. I like to think it does. I like to think so too. Well, Alistair, did you enjoy this episode of the Sarah Jane Adventures? I did enjoy and we were long overdue to try the Sarah Jane Adventures. We've mentioned it in the past. I think we have an Countless episode you times. can go and go back to, which is about spin-offs. And we cover some of the other parts of the Doctor Universe that exist as well. Things like Class and Torchwoods. So you can go back and listen to that one too, if you just mm. can't get enough this week. I, I love Sarah, Sarah Jane Adventures stands as my favourite spin-off. I do think that Torchwood is one that we need to go to. I keep seeing clips of it pop up on my feed on Twitter. And there's definitely some episodes, especially maybe like the Martha ones. There's a few episodes of Torchwood that we need to go back on. Yes. Um, 
yeah, we, we, we keep seeing people sort of tweet out clips and we've got quite now an erratic recording schedule where pretty much two days <laughs> before we record, we see a clip we like on Twitter and we go, yeah, maybe that one. <laughs> but exactly. yeah, Torchwood I, I've seen quite a bit lately. Um, I think it's time to go back. It might be time to go back. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, if we're, if we're talking about kind of traumatic scenes, there's really no limits in Torchwood where we can start. There's certain episodes of Torchwood that, that gave me full-blown panic attacks. Oh, I mean, yeah, fully. Think I think I had asthma. So, I mean, we can, um, yeah, we can, we can <laughs> we talk can about trauma those. those. One thing I've just thought about the Sarah Jane Adventures, I, I guess I should have put these in my fun facts, but I've just suddenly thought about them now. It's not specific for this episode. Obviously, like we said before, the show came to sort of an untimely conclusion when Elizabeth Sladen passed away. But Russell T. Davies has gone on the record and said that he was making plans for two other previous companions because joe jones makes an appearance in the later season of the show two other previous companions to appear one of which was going to be ace he was planning on ace to make a comeback in the sarah jane adventures and the second was going to be martha jones which would have meant she'd be the only character to have appeared in every single doc two spin-off oh wow oh it would have been so good <laughs> i know and i'm hoping he's gonna so kind good. of correct that now with i think a very likely unit spin-off announcement in the near future mm-hmm. which i imagine they'll be sandwiching somewhere after the release of of, of series 14 of talk two my prediction for this which i could be very wrong about is that they're going to do the 60th anniversary specials the series 14 from January are we thinking or like Christmas time I'm thinking probably March because I think series four I think he'll try and go back to his original schedule which would be like Christmas special and then March springtime show which takes you through to summer okay so we have the 60th anniversary specials in November we have the Christmas special we have the springtime series 14 premiere for eight episodes I think after that we'll get the unit spin-off premiere and then soon mm. after that, we'll get either another Christmas special or series 15, which they are already filming, I believe, which is I insane can see to that. say. I can see so that. I, I think, I think that's that, where they put it. I heard somewhere that they're making plans, and this is just a rumor, so don't you know take any accountability for this, but I heard a rumor that they're planning on starting to film season 15 or series 15 of Doctor Who in October, which is a very quick turnaround from season 14. Yeah, I heard that they're fully doing back-to-back, but I have to wait and see. I have to wait and see, my darling. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Who La La, and please keep the conversation going. What's your favourite spin-off of Doctor Who? Did you like this episode? Do you agree with us that it's the best episode of TV to ever be on television, ever, forever and ever? <laughs> Amen. You can reach out to us uh, on Instagram, TikTok, and at least for now, Twitter, before it all crashes and burns, all of which are at Who La La Pod. Uh, you can also rewatch old episodes of the podcast on our youtube channel also at hulala pod yes and if you'd like to help out the podcast um we'd really appreciate if you could give us a review as well on whatever you listen to your podcasts whether that's apple or spotify or something else we would really appreciate your review and as always we will see you next week we'll see you soon bye bye